It is now time for NBA playoff action featuring the New York Knicks and the Knicks Take Podcast episode 11. You dig? You dig. I am your host, Josh, so focused alongside French, the co-host. I'm so disappointed in you. Playoff game ain't happen yet. The game ain't happen yet. I'm so disappointed in you. <laughs> it ain't the playoffs yet. Oh, playoff ain't man. start till tomorrow. All right. We are a weekly podcast bringing you the biggest Knicks news of the week. Nowadays, it's not really news right now. We just got the playoffs going on. We are recording right now on Saturday. Game one of uh, day one of the playoffs. The Knicks will be playing on day two, which is perfect. We record every Saturday. We will be releasing episodes every Sunday, every week. We have, if you can, please follow us on Twitter at the Knicks Take, on Instagram the Knicks Take, on Facebook.com slash Knicks Take Media, on YouTube Knicks Take Videos. Now let's get to it. All right, we already talked about all the games, all the regular season games. Let's do some lead-in. First, we're going to celebrate and congratulate our coach, Tom Thibodeau, for winning Eastern Conference Coach of the Month. Well-deserved. Mm-hmm. And it's well-deserved because, yeah, we can golf clap. Uh, well-deserved because the Knicks ended up winning – I want to say probably about eh, a good 75% of the uh last of the last 10 games or 20 games that they played. So mm-hmm. the month of the month of May, Knicks definitely showed out. Definitely came to play, only lost about 3 games out of their last 10, out of their mm-hmm. last actually out of their last 13. uh 13, they lo- only lost 3 games. So that's real good. I He's been doing this all season. He's been doing it all, this all season. When I looked at the regular season and I looked at how the Knicks started and how they finished, their record over over their last 32 games, incredible. And I, and I, I can't think of an NBA coach, at least in the Eastern Conference, that deserved to win that award. I think he should have won it in April, too, actually. But, I can't think of a coach in the entire NBA Whose impact is more felt on the team? Who has a direct correlation to the team's impact on winning? I don't think there's a coach out there in the entire NBA who you can say their team resembles that more than the New York Knicks resemble Tom Thibodeau. So let's transition to that. Do you think that he's going to win coach of the year? If he doesn't, it just doesn't make sense why he wouldn't. You understand what I'm saying? Every mm-hmm. other coach has an advantage to the to to their record. As in I I probably didn't say that correctly, but every other team, like Monty Williams, he got Chris Paul and Devin Booker on his team. You can understand how their team became second in the West. Quinn Snyder, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, defensive player of the year most likely. 
Jordan Clarkson, six men of the year, most likely. The Utah Jazz has a really good roster on their team. Well, a really good roster. When you started the season, you did not, you could, you wouldn't be like astounded that those two facts happened. That the Phoenix Suns are the second seed in the West and the Utah Jazz are the number one overall seed. Not astounded. Surprised, maybe, but not astounded. You knew that you they might were be like, be, eh, I could see it. You knew that they were going to be in the running, you know? If you could see them being one of the top teams in the West. Both the Jazz and, if I told, and the Suns. And if I told, especially with Chris Paul. If I told you at the beginning of the season that the Knicks were going to win 30 games, <laughs> you would be astounded. Yeah. Everyone would be astounded. That, yeah. You'd be like, 30 games? They're making the playoffs. We got to just the playoffs? You'd be astounded. And then to see that we actually won 41 games, 10 games over 500. Double with anybody. Some of the worst critics projected. We projected to win 21 games, and we ended up winning 20 more games than that. The biggest difference from last year to this year, the biggest gap was the New York Knicks. If Tom Thibodeau doesn't receive Coach of the Year, then the Coach of the Year award just doesn't have any merit this year. Yeah, as my brother French noted. French, the co-host. <laughs> uh, Quinn Snyder from the Utah Jazz and Monty Williams from the Phoenix Suns and Tom Thibodeau from the New York Knicks are the three finalists for the NBA Coach of the Year. And I agree with you. I I don't see how Snyder or Williams should win it over Thibodeau. Knicks are also in two other. Let me just double check. Two other finalist positions. Kia NBA Sixth Man of the Year. You have Utah Jazz with two Sixth Man of the Years, which, which should, makes no sense. Should cancel each other out. Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles and Derrick Rose by him lonesome by his lonesome for the New York Knicks. If Derrick Rose doesn't win Sixth Man of the Year, I'll be shocked. Considering the other two finalists. Wait, what? I'll be shocked if he does not win. Derrick Rose. Yeah. Nah, Clarkson got that wrapped up. You you think so? Yeah, he got that wrapped up. He's been balling off the bench, dropping 40 points. Like, he's been wilding. Derrick Rose is the sixth man of the year outside of him. You know why I think Derrick Rose would get it over Clarkson? If you take Clarkson off of the Jazz, are they still a playoff team? That's not what the award is about, though. I know, I know. I know that's not what it's about, but I can make the argument that Derrick Rose is more key for the Knicks' success than Clarkson is for the Jazz. But it's about who had the better year. The better year, yeah. And that would be Clarkson. Yeah. How much is he averaging this year? Who, Clarkson? Yeah. I'll look it up. Because I know he averages more points than Derrick Rose off rip. This year, what's he averaging? 17.1. That's shooting, Clarkson? Yeah. 17 points, shooting damn near 90% from the field, 34 from three, and 42 from the field. From free throw, he's shooting 90%? 89.6. That's not bad. 
That's what I'm saying. He's been balling. Let's look up Derrick Rose stats. Just off the stats, like the stats don't tell you everything, but because we see more of Derrick Rose, yeah, yeah. He's Derrick Rose is only averaging. Oh shit! Hold on. Nope. You can say eighteen point three per. Hold on. I'm bugging. I'm bugging. I'm bugging. Derrick Rose is averaging fourteen point nine points per game. There you go. Yeah, he's averaging more points. He's got the better stats. Um, I read the wrong shit for Jordan Clarkson. He's averaging 18 points per game. There you go. Yeah. Jordan so Clarkson's even, averaging 18. So that's even worse for, for Derrick Rose. Yeah. All right. So I'll give it I'll give it to you. Clarkson, I do think that Derrick Rose. Basically. Derrick Rose is just. He's a starter coming off of the bench. And that's basically like why I feel like, all right, like I don't care what anybody else. I don't care what anybody else is doing. Like Derrick Rose mm-hmm. has carried this Knicks team to the Clarkson finish line. Did too, though. Sometimes on his own. And then we got Kia most improved. Okay. Nah. They're the one seed. Like, <laughs> all right, Kia Mo- Yeah, but Kia- look, Donovan Mitchell's not even playing right now. He's been injured for like what a month and some change, and they still the number one seed. Okay, I mean they got a great team. Like, that, but anyway, I'll give it to yeah. you. Kia most improved player: Jeremy Grant, Michael Porter Jr., and Julius Randle. Michael Porter Jr. gave it up earlier. He's like, yeah, I already know this is Julius Randle's award. Like, got got to be. <laughs> It gotta be. There's no nobody else is gonna be in all NBA. Neither, it gotta be. Yeah, he's the only. He's the only one. From, they went from bum that people wanted to trade to all NBA. Yeah. How can Jeremy Grant or Michael Porter Jr. and they both made strides? I said in one earlier podcast, I don't even know if he's a defender, and apparently his defense has. <laughs> Who are you talking about? Michael Porter Jr. Apparently uh, his defense has improved, so I can't even say that he's not a defender anymore. And Jeremy neither, Grant. yeah, neither of them. My bad. I didn't mean to cut you up, but neither of them two have made the improvement that Julius Randle team wise as well. Like the team is winning because of this player, as well as his improvement, which is also dramatic as mm-hmm. a player. Like Jeremy Grant left a, a, a playoff team, went to an, a, a team that's not a playoff team, had his opportunity to shine and score all the points he want, but his team is bottom of the league. So him scoring all them points didn't mean anything. Yeah, the Pistons of Basura. For the team. Michael Porter Jr. is on a team that's been a playoff team. They went to the Western Conference Finals last year. Yeah. So and this is like his his best player got injured and he has to take up all the shots that the best player of the team would have taken up had he not gotten injured. So it's understandable why his stats went up. And Julius Randle had to come back to the same roster. And will his team to the playoffs, will himself to the all-star game or NBA team. So essentially this award is Julius Randle's to lose. The Julius Randle award. Which basically, yeah, the season's already done. Outside of that, we got the defensive player of the year. Rudy Gobert is going to win that over Draymond and Ben Simmons. You disagree? Yeah, I think the media loves Rudy Gobert, but I don't think he deserves it more than Draymond does. We got Rookie of the Year, LaMelo Ball. I don't think Edwards or Halliburton is going to win that over him. It's tough because Anthony Edwards was balling when LaMelo went. For half a season. 
But uh, you can say uh, the same thing about LaMelo. No, you could say LaMelo didn't play for half a season. Anthony Edwards same was thing. Anthony Edwards was basura for half of the season. Like if LaMelo was not hurt, you could make the argument that he played well all year. Yeah, but they didn't give the award to Embiid when he missed half the season and he was balling his rookie year. Who they give it to that year? They gave it to Malcolm Brogdon. And was Brogdon balling? Yeah, he was balling. And he was time. a second round pick. He was balling the whole time, though. The whole season, yeah. Okay. Anthony Edwards was it. And that's the only argument I can make. Like, Anthony Edwards, he started really playing well, what, in April? Maybe midway through March? The All Star like, game. Like, I can't give it to Anthony Edwards when half of the year you were still figuring it out, and then the other half is like. But when he figured oh, it I, out, he figured it out though. Like he beat us. Remember that? How? I, no, I remember that. He, but was, they was taking uh, down right. some elite teams when he was putting on. All right, let's put it like this: Anthony Edwards at his best this season versus Lamelo Ball at his best this season. Is that a toss up? That's not something that you could just. Is that decide. a toss up? You gotta think about that. You gotta That's think about that. That's a toss up. That's what I'm saying. That's a toss up. You can't choose. It's not easy. Where and yeah. but you could say Anthony Edwards first half of the season versus Lamelo Ball before he got hurt. Lamelo Ball way way easy. And then since Lamelo's been back and since Anthony Edwards been playing well, it's a toss up. So how can you give it to Anthony Edwards? Because he played more. He played the whole season. I don't give a goddamn. He played like... If it's a toss-up when they're both at their best... He, he was gotta, causing his team to it. lose games by, because by how bad he was playing. And, and that's but the you only... can say the same about LaMelo in the beginning of the year, too. But for like They were losing games. in the beginning. For like yeah. a few games. We're not talking about a few games for Anthony Edwards. We're talking about a long stretch, a long stretch. And the only Neither reason... team made the playoffs. Listen, I'll give it to you. It's... Sort of a conversation because of how well Anthony Edwards played and because LaMelo got hurt. But if LaMelo, if LaMelo didn't get hurt, it wouldn't even be a conversation. It wouldn't even be a conversation. And that. You can't say that. Cause why? he has, he, cause if Emmanuel quickly got hurt and around that same period when he was balling out, we would be saying the same thing about him. Because he saying? was wilding in the beginning of the season, dropping 30 on Portland. He was dropping 25 on elite teams. And he was number two rookie overall when Anthony Edwards was struggling. If he got hurt for the whole season, we'd be saying his name more in the uh, rookie of the year race. Yeah, but, but if Lamelo was... didn't get injured, he would have had an opportunity to hit the rookie wall, to struggle even more once defenses started to learn his game and started to trap him in. You see, that's what happened in the playing games. Like He wasn't putting on like how he was early in the season because teams figured him out. That's my point. Anthony Edwards got to the point where teams figured him out and he had to figure out how to still get buckets and still will his team to a win. I'm not saying that Anthony Edwards' game improvement is not something to applaud. It is. But I don't think, I think that the fact that LaMelo has been playing consistently the entire time, Mm -hmm. well, you have to give it up to him for that. As opposed to Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards is definitely clear number two. No question. I'll give it to him. I'll give I'm it to not him. arguing either way. Like, either of them but, can win the award and I'd be like, they deserve it. But Minnesota was had been out of it. And the reason they had been out of it is because of Anthony Edwards. And Towns. Whereas, whereas LaMelo Ball, he's been keeping. And everybody else on that team. LaMelo Ball has been keeping the Charlotte Hornets relevant this his entire time. So, even That's when he got true. hurt and came back. Okay, well, 
when he was hurt, how could he have contributed? His team was still good without I'm him. I'm saying even when he got hurt, when he came back, the Hornets were still in. Like they. That's because the Hornets were a good team whether or not he was playing. That's what I'm saying. The, the Hornets were still a playoff team even when he was done. Okay. We're going we, we're gonna to move on because I think. Wait, wait, wait. I, we can't move on yet because we got to attack who that third finalist was who I felt like was not deserving Tyrese over Emmanuel quickly. I don't feel like he deserved that over quickly because the Kings, like, I don't care all that fancy stuff you're doing. Your team is losing and they've been losing the entire season. Even when you're playing your, your greatest, it has no impact on the game uh, on a team success. Here's why this is, and this is why we're going to argue again. This here's why I understand why Halliburton is number three. I think that when you could have argued that quickly was, Number three over Halliburton. Halliburton was still playing well enough. They were both playing real good. I don't think it was like, I think that if somebody would have said, yo, I have Halliburton over quickly, I would disagree with it, but I would, it's not something where I'd be like, yo, you bugging. Like, I could see it. Halliburton played real good. And he I got just thought, too. I just thought quickly played better and then quickly had a slump, quickly got hurt quickly came back after he got hurt. He didn't play as much. Maybe if he played more at the end of the season, then I could be like, all right. But I don't think, I don't think quickly did enough to be clear cut number three. So I understand what you're saying, but I wasn't surprised to see Halliburton there. I, I expected it actually, because quickly did fall off. He did have a slump. He started playing well, then he got hurt. And then he stopped playing. Then he only got like 10 minutes a game after that. Like, there's a lot of stuff that was going against Quick. So as much as I would have loved to see him be a finalist, I'm not mad at the list. I'm not mad at him not making top three. Only reason I'm not arguing more is because I didn't watch a lot of Kings games. Yeah. Halliburton's his, I mean, check his stats. Like, he's been playing good. You know, I've seen his stats. That's the reason why I'm like, I understand his placement. But it's just like, bro. Like we were bringing up quickly earlier in the season. It wasn't like clear cut quickly number two. It was quickly number two or Halliburton number two. Like, and, and the only reason that people like I would say like, no, it's easily quickly number two is because the Knicks is playing much better than the Kings, first of all. Right. And I think quickly has a bigger An effect on, on that. It had a bigger effect on the wins than Halliburton did. On their losses. <laughs> Halliburton was doing all that and then boom, they down 30. Right. So great game, Ty. You know, so I think it was an argument where then, whereas right now I'm like, all right, you know, what? Yeah, I, I can argue it. But is it an argument that I think it needs to be? Nah, I like give it to Halliburton. I, I understand. I get it. I get it with how the season progressed. Why quickly is not number three. And the only other uh, list left for the top three finalists, NBA most valuable player who had Stephen Curry, Joel Embiid, and who is going to definitely be the winner, Nikola Jokic, a.k.a. You feel Joker. like Steph Curry deserved that third spot? We talked about this a little bit before the pod. I said I think he brought he put Golden State on his back. Last season, last season with Golden State was what? The worst team in the league. And No, Minnesota was. Oh, wait. They were one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah. But they were bottom two, three, whatever. And this season, Steph came out, was scorching hot. Was. It don't matter. At the end of the day, yeah. Golden State got 
the second a top a top a top three. Yeah, they got they were guaranteed a top three pick, and this year they come back. They're still they still didn't have Clay. I think they were missing Draymond for some stretches, mm-hmm. and this is not the same championship team. Like this is not. And the only reason that they had a chance to be in the playoffs this year is because of Steph. But and but okay, Steph is a former unanimous MVP. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to have his team at this point. And if you look at the teams that were underneath Golden State in the record, like which one of those teams do you feel like is like had a better roster coach? Than Golden State, other than maybe New Orleans. Say that one more time. Which team had a better roster? That's underneath the Golden State record-wise, which is San Antonio, mm-hmm. Sacramento, Minnesota, OKC, Houston, Memphis. Memphis, Memphis is in there. But they took their spot. You said you didn't say anything <laughs> about who took whose spot. You said but who has a better roster. But listen, with, with a worse record. But listen though. He's a former unanimous MVP, and you're saying that John Morant and Jonas Valanciunas had a a better. I didn't. I'm not saying anything. I'm just <laughs> I, like I was just putting the team in there because that was one of the teams that had a worse record than the Golden State Warriors in there. Go ahead, say what you're gonna say. I didn't feel like he deserved to be up there just off the simple fact that they're not even in the playoffs. The only reason that that we feel that the Golden State Warriors have a better record than I'm sorry that the Golden State Warriors are a better team than the rest of these teams is because Steph Curry is on that roster. You say the if you same thing Steph, about the Wizards. If you, if you take Steph Curry off that roster and you take the best player off of some of those other rosters, I guarantee you that you know take the best player off of the rest of the rosters underneath the Golden State Warriors. They're they're. Their seeding still drops significantly. Maybe they don't come to being the bottom of the league, but of the West. But you take John Morant off of the Grizzlies, you take whoever else you want. You could say that about half the teams in the playoffs right now. If you take Ben Simmons or Embiid off the Sixers, they're not making it to the playoffs. No, I don't. I disagree with that. I think they still make it. They still make it as the eighth, ninth, tenth seed. But they, I think they still make it. They make it to the play-ins at least. I think. I don't agree with that. I'm just. If saying, you take, if, if you, you take told your, me if, a former MVP had a defensive player of the year finalist on his team, a top four defense, I'm not thinking that you're going to be telling me that they're at the bottom of the West, not making the playoffs, had to struggle to get in a play-in tournament and then get dropped out the play-in tournament because you lost two games straight. And well, I guess the way that you lost the second game against the Memphis Grizzlies. Who doesn't have anyone in the MVP discussion? Who doesn't have guess, a top five defense? <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like, I guess we're gonna go right into the plans then. He didn't take over at the end of the game, but yeah, let's get into it. So, NBA plans. First of all, I want to say before we get into it, I hope we have the plans every year. We will. I hope we have the plans every year. I think that. This might end up being one of the best playoffs. This might end up being one of the best playoffs in my lifetime. We got to see it first. Of course we got to see it first. But I think as long as nobody gets injured significantly, I love almost every single matchup. 
I love every single matchup, and I love every single potential matchup that moves forward. Now, the play-ins, right? What ended up happening for the play-ins... All right. A couple technical difficulties. But where was I? Oh, yes. The NBA play-ins. So like I was saying, I like all the matchups. Play-ins. We had 7-seed Boston play against 8-seed Washington. Boston won that. We had 9-seed Indiana play 10-seed Charlotte. Indiana won that. And so we had Washington then play Indiana for the eighth seed. And Washington, who I thought was going to beat Boston for the seventh seed, but didn't. Boston ended up, um, sorry, excuse me. The Washington Wizards ended up, the Washington Wizards ended up taking that over Indiana. And Boston did, and and Tatum, yeah, took over against Washington. So we got Boston seventh seed. Drop their ass off. We got Boston 7C and we got the Washington Wizards 8C, which means in the Eastern Conference, Philly will be playing the Washington Wizards. I like that matchup. Philly going to win. Yeah, Philly's going to win. But I like that matchup. That's going to be. You know what that matchup reminds me of? You think Washington's going to take a game? No. You don't think they're going to take one? That that matchup reminds me of, like, remember LeBron and. Kyrie and Kevin Love against the Detroit Pistons in the first round, and every game was like really tough, but it was a sweep. That's what this is going to be. I mean, I remember that. I just don't. I you don't think triple dub Russ and thirty point per game point per game Bradley Beal is going to take a game? Like you don't think that you think that's beyond the realm of you think that's beyond the realm of possibility that to take a game at home. I, I I don't I personally just don't see. I see it. Philly's, I see a gen- Philly's just too good. Gentleman sweep. Gentleman sweep. Five games. Five. Yeah. Gentleman sweep. Maybe. Maybe one game in Washington. Maybe the fourth game they take. And outside of that, we have the Boston Celtics, which I think is going to be another good another good one, playing against the Brooklyn Nets. So. I think that's going to be a good series. What you think? I don't you know. Tweet. It's tough to call because you tweeted Kemba. Something. What I tweeted? It's not fair. It's just not fair. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Brooklyn is just that. Like they're starting five tonight. It's James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Blake Griffin, Joe Harris, and. Boston Celtics are going to be playing shorthanded because Jalen <laughs> Brown, no Brown is done for the season. So, how many games do you think Boston's going to take? I still like the series. Like, I'm still interested in the series, but Brooklyn is definitely winning this one. Well, Assuming Brooklyn health. plays Brooklyn plays no defense, which can really hurt you in the playoffs, mm-hmm. especially with someone like Tatum. Mm-hmm. So, and Kemba Walker. They also have some young rookies on their team and guys that don't get to play much who's going to fill Jalen Brown's role. Who we personally seen at the end of the season and we almost lost to. So 
Bro, shut I up. Think- you know Brooklyn is taking this. <laughs> like, what do you? Why are you making this more than what it is? Like, come on. Can I that, finish? Can no, I finish? No, don't finish. This is this is with easy. all that being I, said, I if- can see Boston taking no games. This year. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is going to be a clean sweep. <laughs> and <laughs> that's all she wrote. Like I don't see them. I, I don't see how they can win a game because Brooklyn is just so overpowered. They have too much talent. I can see Boston and taking a game just off the strength over. of they have more time. Have had more time together as a team. They've been through the playoffs. They're a hardened team. They have Tatum. They have Kemba. And maybe one day they catch the three of, you know, the big three sleeping. But outside of that, yeah, it's going to be a sweep. I don't want to hear about, yeah, Brooklyn plays no defense. And da da No. Like, Boston, Boston, if if the season was a little bit longer, Boston may not have even ended up in the playoffs at all. Yeah. And, I, and I was surprised, like I said earlier, I was surprised to see Washington not beat them and take the seven seed. I would have liked to see Washington play Brooklyn and Boston play Philly. That'd have been but that would have been, it, that would have been even more of a sweep. So I think, you know, yeah, that's, that's, I'm still interested in the series because Tatum's playing and I want to see how health, I want to see if the big three can be healthy for a full series, but yeah, I'm not expecting much from Boston. So those were that's the seven and eight seed. Those were the last two seeds to be finalized over the play-ins. Next we have three seed Milwaukee Bucks playing against the Miami Heat, which as of this recording, we have already seen game one of that series. And that was uh that was that was good. That was a good game. It's a good game. And if the rest of the I, I could see this game this series going seven. I can see I the could series. also see this being another five game series. A gentleman sweep. I could also see that, yeah. I, you, Miami, my, Miami my, caught them off guard last year. I don't even that know ain't if, gonna happen again this year. I don't like, know if I it's, can see like I, Giannis was not playing this game. He wanted to take this one. He's not losing game one at home. I, I he agree. don't care how how many shots Duncan Robinson gonna make. He don't care how much Jimmy Butler's going to try to play aggressive with him. He's going to get that ball, and he's going to get that ball in the rim over and over. I agree with you. But while I do think Giannis is the best player on the court, Jimmy Butler is the most mentally tough franchise player on the court. Can't say that no more. Because now the Bucks got P.J. Tucker. The Bucks got Bobby Portis. The Bucks got a lot of guys on that team that's tough. Drew Holiday. Did you just name drop Bobby Portis? I had to. Former Nick. Had to show him some love. He, he, they, and on top of that, the Milwaukee Bucks, with the strong help of Bobby Portis, well, I'm beat talking Miami about, at the end of the year. I'm talking about Giannis and Jimmy <laughs> so Butler. So that we could get the fourth you seed. decided to drop Bobby MF in Portis. What's a nigga over here? <laughs> yeah, if you don't get off my screen. Listen. That's the Jimmy Butler. The the, uh, Jimmy Butler. <laughs> Jimmy Butler can win a game. If my Jimmy Butler could win a few games if Miami needs 
needs him to, and they will need him to. So they almost took today, and that was at Milwaukee. That wasn't even in Miami. So Yeah, but they didn't. Yeah, right. You're right. They didn't, but they weren't supposed to. Nobody expected them to. So the fact that it was so close and the fact that it was really it was really a, a missed a missed shot to take it into double overtime where Miami could have taken like that game could have gone so many different ways. It was such an even game. I don't know if I could say five. I could say six. I could say five. I could say six, but uh, I need to see another game. <laughs> I need to see how game two is going to go and if it's going to be just this tight. Because if game two is just this tight, then I have to think that Miami is going to take at least one in Miami. I don't think Miami poses that much of a threat to Milwaukee, to be honest. I think Milwaukee's the only thing stopping Brooklyn from getting to the finals. I agree with you. But Miami, if Miami was healthy all year, they would not be the sixth seed. I believe that. But they're like that's a part of the game though. No, you're right. That's a part, of the game. a part of all the game. All I'm saying all I'm saying is Miami is not that far below Milwaukee, Philly, and Brooklyn. They're not. And this game today's game showed it. The way that they've been playing over the past month or two shows it. This is a team that is gonna be a tough out for any team, including, you know, Milwaukee, including Brooklyn. I'm not saying they're going to win. I still have Milwaukee taking the series, but to say five, nah, I, I, I can't disrespect them like that unless unless game two, Milwaukee, Milwaukee decides, oh, yeah, we figured you out in game one. If I see that, four, maybe five. I'm trying to tell you, they want to make have, up for last year. I have to see it first. I'm not just going to give it to they, them. They have to earn it. I, they have to earn it. They didn't earn it last year. I, you're not just going to give it to them this year. Like, this was a tough game. It's going to be five. So I think it's going to be five. And then we have us, the New York Knicks, playing the Atlanta Hawks, which we will get into. Next, we're going to go to the West Coast. West Coast, we had the Lakers versus the Golden State Warriors, 7-8 seed, playing for the 7 seed. And going into this game, I was like, yo, I would not be surprised to see Golden State win this. And then I watched the first half and Golden State was winning. I was like, Golden State might win this. And then I fell asleep. (laughs) (laughs) And I woke up to see the Lakers won on a LeBron James game winner. I mean, it was like after crying, it was like a a minute before the end of the game. But yeah, Yeah. like the last point scored was LeBron James knocking down the three and then nobody scored for the last minute of the game. And that's how Golden State lost. And then ESPN hyped it up like, oh, my God, LeBron game winner. Yeah, I mean, technically, I guess it was because he scored the like, game winning basket. Bro, nobody scored for two possessions. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> so settle You're down. You're not going to hype it up. Settle down, ESPN. Like settle down. Super duper like clutch shot. But Well, it was clutch, but it, let me just stop here. Yeah, I, I'm, I was surprised. That Golden State played as well as they did against LeBron and AD led Lakers with Dennis Schroeder on the court, and the way they were playing, I was I I didn't see them losing that game. So me missing the second half, I was like, okay, I should have known better than that. You know, they got LeBron, they got AD. Of course, they're gonna win. And then so then after that, I suspected that Golden State was gonna win the A seed. Memphis played against the San Antonio Spurs. I thought the Spurs were going to win that one because they have Greg Popovich. And I got to give Memphis credit. 
They came out of that game. I didn't watch that game at all. Memphis won. And then it I was watched that game. How, that, was, that was a good one that went at the overtime and John Morant just showed Curry up. Oh, I didn't even say it yet, but yeah, Memphis ended up playing Golden State. <laughs> I see you paying attention to what <laughs> to the current games. But uh, Memphis ended up playing Golden State. And yeah, uh, t- tell us about that game. That game was like back and forth throughout the entire game. Went into overtime because Draymond couldn't make a shot. Like, yo, if you really think about it, like how Draymond gets the pass that he just is. It's okay that he just can't score. <laughs> like he gets to play all these minutes. But why Frank can't do that? He could provide that Draymond role. If you just gave him an opportunity, like Draymond literally is a, a zero threat from three I don't or know. from the field. I, I don't know if I would go that far, but he's more so of a, a playmaker. He, he is defender. living. He is living off of past offensive proficiency. I think he's living off the ability to get Curry open. That too. And to take advantage of when Curry is open. That too. And then play defense. So who is who? But the fact that he can't shoot a mid range, he can't score in traffic, he can't hit a a corner three, any three for that matter. Like bro, like like are we we not gonna say nothing about this? Like nobody finds that this is a little. So you blaming that Golden State loss on Draymond, defensive I, defensive player of the year, Draymond, according to you. Yeah, I, I'm talking about his offense. Though. I know, I know, I know. I'm just his defense is good. I'm just asking. All right, so I, I saw Chef Curry was it wasn't his fault. He scored. He did what he was supposed to do. John Morant did what he was supposed to do. So who you who you trumping up on the Memphis side to, to give them that victory and the eighth seed in the West? John Morant, Dylan Brooks, them two is good. Mm. Dylan Brooks had Curry, like, panicking in that end. <laughs> like, he was guarding him well throughout the entire game. And it's like, bro, damn. Curry got 35, and it it don't seem like Curry got 35 it, when you're watching the game. It wasn't an easy 35? It was not an easy 35. He had to earn that. I respected it. Mm. Who else? Xavier Tillman came off the bench and was just showing, like, Bro, it don't matter that I'm a rookie. I'm I'm here to play. Like I'm here to ball out. That was my first time seeing him live. I'm like, oh, I see why I see why everybody was hyping you up <laughs> in the draft. Boy, is good. He hitting corner threes, playing defense, playing tough. I'm like, I like him. I'm starting to. I'm 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 about to be on my like. When I watch other games, I'm starting to scout players just to see who will fit on the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> So with that, with that Grizzlies win over the Golden State Warriors, that made the that made Utah the one seed. They will be playing the Memphis Grizzlies. We know who's winning that. Four, five, five. Utah and five. five. Yeah, because that's not even a fair matchup. Utah just got the rest. They they ready to just yeah, but they couldn't scout. That's the thing. That's, that's the other thing is that Utah doesn't have to scout. Like 
that's the thing. Right. Eighth seed is not a team that you need to scout. This for, is what you know. You're you're. If you're the number one team in basketball, you don't have to scout the eighth seed. Well, here's the thing. You're right, but it's just that little bit of separation, which is why I've been loving the play-ins because the the teams that are closer together, the four to five, the three to six, like those teams. To have them be able to scout and have the same amount of preparation time that the one seed has for the eighth seed, it just don't seem right. Like you want to make this, we want to make these playoffs more interesting. You got to give the one seed and the two seed, you got to handicap them a little bit just to make it a little interesting. They still going to win. Like we're not saying that it's going to go seven. We're not saying that it's going to go six for, for the one seed or two seed, but it just makes it that little bit more difficult. Because they have to wait until the day before or two days before before they know who they play. I think yeah. well, I think that makes the playoffs that much better, knowing that even though they had all week to rest, they have no idea who they're gonna play. For all I'm I guarantee you Utah was scouting for both Golden State and the Lakers all week all week and then Memphis comes out the woodwork. Now you gotta you gotta rush prepare for Memphis. I, I, Stay job. I like it. You know, I like it. I still think Utah's <laughs> going to win. But I yeah. like the fact that they have a little bit of a handicap. Whereas Memphis, they're already they they're already in playoff mode because they've been they've Yeah, they've been they've been in that. So now Utah has to catch up to them the too. Yeah. So I I like it. I like I like that. Number 2 seed Phoenix Suns will be playing number 7 seed which is crazy to say at the end of the season. Number 7 seed Los Angeles Lakers who almost That's ended up who almost ended up the 8th seed. Imagine that. The Lakers could have been the 8th seed without that LeBron James three-pointer. And that would have been scary for LeBron. Utah versus yeah. Ooh. That anyway, been scary. Who you got? Lakers or Suns? Oh yeah, the Lakers. The Lakers is gonna win this series, but I feel like it's gonna be a tough series. Yeah. Chris Paul is gonna show up. Mm-hmm. It's gonna go seven games, but there's nothing that the Suns can do with Anthony Davis. Okay. Or LeBron. I, w- I would love to see the Suns knock him out, but I agree with you. I, I think. Don't see it happening. I think the Lakers are gonna win. The Which, like, if it was any other team that wasn't defending champs, I would take the Suns. But this is the defending world champions. Do you think... On top of the fact that it's LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Go ahead. Let me ask you who you think would have been a better matchup for the Lakers, the Suns or the Nuggets? Who would have been, t- like, been tougher? In terms of who would have been tougher? The Nuggets. Okay. So, Nuggets... The Nuggets, the Nuggets played them in the conference finals last year, and they were struggling with Dwight, but I don't see nobody on this team that they're going to be struggling with outside of AD. And they're deep enough to outscore the Lakers bench, so the Nuggets could probably potentially knock them out. All right. Well, Especially who you got? First round. Who you got? Three seed Nuggets versus six seed Portland Trailblazers. Nuggets. In. That's tough. That's tough. I say Nuggets in. Nuggets in six. Ah, you giving Dame a lot of respect there, bro. It ain't just Dame. I know it's not. It's a lot of guys on that Portland team that's underrated. I know. It's a lot of guys on that team. But that's the only reason I'm giving them it's that gonna, much respect. It, it's going to come down to Dame, though. Yeah, it is. But Dame, that's regular for Dame. He he knows what to do under the, under them circumstances. Mm-hmm. 
And you know what to do. And number four seed Los Angeles Clippers versus the five seed Dallas Mavericks, which is another game that just happened. We just finished watching. And much to my surprise and chagrin. Luka. That was a go ahead. Goddamn Luka Doncic. That man is bad. He's bad. Will it, willing the Dallas Mavericks to playoffs wins basically by himself. Oh, him and Tim Hardaway. Because Tim Hardaway was going off too. And then you got number three scorer, Chris Stapps Porzingis, stinking it up. But yeah, I, I, I was surprised. You know, I, and I, I said to you earlier that I don't. I don't like what I'm seeing from Kawhi. He's still good, but even in that Knicks game, I was hi- hype. I was hype about that, but it was something was off with Kawhi for me. And I wanted to, I wanted to hype up RJ, be like, "Yeah, RJ clamped up Kawhi," but he didn't put his stamp on this game. I, I don't feel like. I feel like he played good, but he didn't play like Finals MVP Kawhi Leonard. For the listeners who are not up to date, we're referring to game one of the LA Clippers versus the Dallas Mavericks in the NBA playoffs. Yeah. Proceed. I mean, we didn't say who won yet, but well, actually, I kind of did. The Dallas Mavericks won. The five. Yeah, by the, 10. The five on seed the road. Dallas Mavericks beat the four seed Los Angeles Clippers. The Los Angeles Clippers, who could have been three seed at the end of the season. The three seed Los Angeles Clippers, who were projected to be as high as two, battling it out with with the Lakers all season. That's Mm -hmm. what they were projected. And it it seems like, once again, this is going to be a very underwhelming season for the Clippers. Yeah. It looks like it's going to be a really short season for the Clippers. If they get hot take, if they get knocked, Dallas Mavericks is going to win this series. <laughs> hot take, hot take, hot take that on shit, the hot take on the next. I take. just watched <laughs> Dallas Mavericks is probably going to win this series. This is the year that the Bucks return the favor to the Heat, and the Mavericks return the favor to the Clippers. Because remember last year they were up. What were they up? They were up 3-2, right? I don't remember last season. My memory terrible. Yeah, they were up, though. They were on the verge of winning the series, and then KP got hurt, and then Clippers just came back and won two or three straight and ended that series. But this is the year where them teams are going to get that payback. Dallas Mavericks is winning this get this series in six. Well, I still have hope for the Clippers. I still think the Clippers are going to pull it out. I still think Chris Stapps is going to be dirt. He's going to be the reason they don't win the series. But if the Clippers can't take one in Dallas, yeah, you're right. It's going to be it's going to be Dallas in 6. Cuz and they still have to win at home. Like I'm so I'm just assuming they're going to win game 2 after losing game 1 at home. Bro, so, just like that, home court advantage is gone. It's gone off game one. <laughs> and, and there's no reason for it because they had the exact same time to prepare. They had the exact same rest. Yep. There's no excuse. So No excuse. And this was a game. It was a close game all game. And then they end up losing by 10. 
So that means Lucas yeah, better. Even in garbage time, they couldn't get a, bu- a bucket off. I'm like, yo, they figured this team out. I'm like, how Luca and Tim Hardaway playing better than Paul George and Kawhi Leonard? Well, I tell you. So anyway. They both free agents at the end of the season, right? Paul George and Kawhi? Yeah. I'm pretty sure they are, yeah. And we got cap space for two free agents? <laughs> Boy, please. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that so that's it for the playoffs so far. That's it for the playoffs so far. Got to enunciate. So let's get into Knicks versus Hawks. French. To death. Our mother is over here making popcorn distracting me. So if I start stuttering a bunch, that would be why. Hi, Mom. Hi, Ma. Kiari says hi. Well, sorry. Go ahead. Say what you was about to say. Hawks are scary. No, no, no. I'm just scared because I'm going to game one. And look at this. There's brag. something that there's something that happens to every time I go to a game that I admit it to someone and I'm hoping it's not a jinx. So let's just proceed without me having to give any predictions, please. I'm not going to. Uh, I'll just make my own predictions. I don't even want to let Thank you me. speak about predictions because you go into game one, didn't invite me, didn't ask me if I want to go, didn't offer to I pay no, no ticket for me. You just bought it and was like, yo, I'm going to game one. No, no hesitation. All right. I see how it yo, is. I'm the, I'm the nah, little nah, brother. Nah, nah, You're nah, supposed nah, to buy for tickets nah, for me. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> nah, nah. Like, I, if I'd have known you was going to game one, maybe I'd have bought my ticket. Maybe I'd have, who knows what I would have did, but you decided to buy it without me. So I had to get it yeah, when it came out. Quiet down, sir. Um, uh, coming into the end stretch, I was hoping for five Knicks Hawks. And was I was, we got. and I was assuming. That the Hawks would show that their end of season strengths are just a fluke. You know, something was going to happen. They were going to revert back to the way they played in the first half. Nate McMillan is not that great of a coach. Something. And that never actually happened with the Hawks. And we played them in game, in the third game that ultimately didn't really matter in terms of if we tied at the end of the season, who was going to be the fourth seed because we had already won the season series, but ended up being a very crucial win because we needed every single win to tie with the Hawks. And in that third game, we were losing until Trey Young injured his ankle. Not to say that that's the reason why we won, but just to say that if Trey is healthy, we don't know how that goes. That game is the only thing that frightens me about this series because it looked like they figured us out in that game and it looked like Trey Young figured us out in that game. And then when he got injured, we got the momentum back and they still found a way to force overtime. And I'm, I'm hoping that Mitch comes back this season. I mean, this series. So that- Because Clint might be a little bit too much for Noel. And it's not no might be. Clint is going to be too much for Noel. And the only thing that I am thankful for is that I have seen Nerlens and Taj go from trying to collect the rebound to just trying to tap it to a teammate and doing so successfully. Mm-hmm. Because without that, the Knicks will be getting abused on the boards on a nightly basis in the playoffs. I don't I'm, know about abused. 
every time I've seen Nerlens go up against somebody who's heavier than him, which is about 95% of bigs in the league, he's getting he's getting bullied in the paint. He's getting bullied. Yeah, so, but Nerlens isn't the only person responsible for our rebounds. RJ and Julius both are like yeah. high rebound getters. No, you're right. But when it comes to who's going to get the most rebounds, the the guy on the, usually it's the big, and the, usually it's the big that Nerlens is going up against. If it's not the big that Nerlens is going up against, we usually win that battle outright. But when we playing against Capella, we playing against Jokic, we playing against big bodies, dudes who can grab the board and no problem get could hold their own in the paint. We usually lose that. We lost it. We lost that battle to the Lakers. We lost that battle to the Nuggets. Usually, when they have a big who is sizable, we lose that. But thankfully, I don't think that the Knicks need to win the rebounding battle in order to win the series. And the reason why I feel that way is because I looked, I analyzed all three of the games and looked at all of the things that the Knicks had an advantage. And in every single one of these games, the Knicks won the field goal percentage battle. They won the three-point percentage battle. Two out of the three, they won the free throw percentage battle. They've won the assist battle, which the Atlanta Hawks actually are a better, have a better assist rate. They're better at assists throughout the season than us. But somehow we have won the assist battle every time we've played them. And that's like half, half, half of stats. And then for games two and three, we tied, we like, we had the same, like we were basically even dead, even with both with the, with the Hawks. So even though we'll lose the offensive rebounding battle and, and maybe we'll even lose the total rebounding, we'll make up for it somewhere else in terms of our efficiency. And, this is just going to be a tough, this is going to be a tough, this is going to be based on who wants it more. Who wants to win this series more? Is it going to be the Knicks or is it going to be the Hawks? Is neither one of these teams are playoff, you know, they've been in the playoffs. These are both, this is their first entries with Trey Young leading and with Julius Randle leading. Neither one has a lot of playoff experience or any playoff experience. But, but, key players in our rotation have. Are playoff seasoned. Yeah. And defense is what wins you playoff games. Well, they have key players too that are playoff seasoned also. But how many of them are going to be playing big minutes? A few of them. Clint. Mm-hmm. Gallinari. Mm-hmm. Who else? I don't know. That, those are the two I thought of. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> those are the two. And those are the two. But I think have, there is one more. We have Taj, D Rose, Bullock, Burks. Who else? Just a score update. The Celtics are currently beating the Nets. Nerlens. But it's like, <clears throat> here's why I'm confident in the Knicks to be. We're, I don't think we're going to get killed on rebounds because for the entire regular season, we focused on doing the dirty work, playing defense, every possession down the entire season. 
in the playoffs, that's when other teams want to pick it up and play to that intense level. But they're going to be playing catch up. We've been doing that all season long. You forgot the Atlanta Hawks are in the top defense. How how could we have forgotten Lou Williams? Because I don't think of the Hawks when I think of Lou Will. I mean, they acquired him in the midseason, but yeah, they, Lou Williams and is, he didn't look that great against us. Lou Williams is still you got to You got to factor him in. Sorry, go ahead. He can't know. They got to see it. But, yeah, these teams might have out-rebounded us. I'm not paying too much attention to the regular season stats because teams play different in the playoffs. And I feel like when this team, the Hawks, tries to step up to be better on defense, they're going to be lacking in another area that they probably was successful in during the regular season. I don't know if their shooting is going to fall as much as it did in the regular season because that always comes down in the playoffs. And being that we've been at that playoff pace since the beginning of the season, when it comes to how do you want to play the game slow, you want to make every team play at our pace. We've been doing that every game this season except for, what, maybe four games? Mm -hmm. So I just see this entire playoff series being played at our pace with a few offensive runs by Trey Young and Bogdanovich, and then we bring them back down to our level and then make them play through the mud, drag drag them through the mud, and then they're going to just have to take that loss in five games. So here's the things that that kind of worry me. Well, let me start with the things that don't worry me. Uh, During the Atlanta Hawks season, they were second in free throws made and ninth in fouls drawn, whereas the Knicks were 25th in fouls committed per game, which means that they were the fifth worst team at committing fouls. I don't think I don't think that's going to be an issue in the playoffs. I think a lot of the Hawks fouls. I think a lot of the Hawks fouls are not going to be called in the playoffs. Let me just put it like that. Yeah. And. I think a lot, a lot of the fouls. and I think a lot of the fouls that the Knicks got called this year are not going to get called in the playoffs. I think yeah. that I think the Knicks got a lot of unfair whistles, and that's part of the reason why they are twenty fifth. So what? I think that's going to be wash. What he's about to say? Watching these playoff games makes me excited to watch the Knicks play because I'm seeing a lot of those fouls that we normally get are not getting called anymore. Exactly, which means. We get an even bigger advantage on defense, which is like something that we're already one of the best teams in the NBA. And we'll talk about that later because that is actually something that was in the news recently. Uh, The Atlanta Hawks averaged 113.7 points per game. And something that, something that a lot of analysts have said is that this is going to come down to whether the Knicks are going to be able to outscore the Hawks. I think it's going to be about whether the Hawks are going to be able to score with the Knicks being able to play the game that they've always played, but not having to worry as much about a bad whistle. So like you like you just insinuated, yeah, the Hawks ain't going to be scoring 113.7 points per game in the playoffs. Whether it be even if they get past the Knicks, they're not going to they're not going to be scoring at that kind of clip because the defense is just going to be at another level. Trey is going to have to score a lot tougher shots, and he's going to have to rely a lot more on finishing through contact than getting bailed out with a whistle. Mm-hmm. And 
The other thing is that the Atlanta Hawks are seventh in offensive rebounding, which has been a problem for us, allowing other teams to get offensive rebounds and us without having Mitch, who is going to be out probably for the entire series, if not most of it, we're not going to be able to capitalize on the offensive rebounding. But the good thing is because we had avoided the play-in round and because we're the fourth seed and we knew who we've been playing in the playoffs in the first round this entire week, this team has been scouting the other team. They know all the little ticky-tack fouls that Trey Young has gotten through the season, and they're going to be prepared to avoid all of that just so that it won't even come into question. They're going to be prepared to shut off all his scoring lanes. They're not going to let him get comfortable. And from I've been listening to all these uh, media interviews, uh, these practice post-game interviews with every player, and they all seem to be locked in. They seem to be studying their matchups. They seem to understand what they understand to they they understand what's ahead. They understand what to expect when the game starts, and that just makes me excited. Yeah, for for tomorrow to get here because I just want to see I, how I want to see how it plays goes. out. You know, everyone is. Yeah. I haven't heard a single podcast where where somebody like I've heard some people say, yeah, Knicks and six, Knicks and seven. I've heard Hawks and seven, Hawks and six, but everyone says the exact same thing. These teams are evenly matched, and it's interesting because they play two different styles of basketball. The yeah. Hawks are more offensive oriented. The Knicks are more defensive oriented. I already with. Heard. A really good offense as well. They are third in three point percentage. I don't know if I would. I, I don't know if I would still say that they are a really good offense, but they're at the very least average to better than average because they shoot efficiently. They have good three point percentage. They have a good. They have a good regular field goal percentage. Uh, let me elaborate the, on why I say that. The only thing, the only thing is somehow. The effective field goal percentage, which is an advanced stat that I'm not going to get into, but the Hawks have that has have us on that, and they have us on true shooting percentage, both overall and since March 1st. The Atlanta Hawks are better at both of those percentages and advanced stats. Go ahead. Here's why I disagree with that. You're only as good as we've last seen you. And to end this season, the Knicks were the hottest team in the NBA. With a top-rated offense, top-rated defense, mm-hmm. like the Hawks were good going too, into the season, but to end the year, were they? Yeah, they were. With the Knicks, they the since Nate McMillan became coach, both the Knicks and the Hawks have similar net rate. Actually, for over the whole season, they've had they have pretty much. The same net rating. Knicks have a 2.4 net rating. The Hawks have a 2.2. But since March 1st. But think about that. Since though. March 1st, the Hawks net rating has increased way more than. And they both increased. Don't get me wrong. And it's still only mm-hmm. the Knicks net rating since March 1st is 3.7. The Hawks is 4.5. The Hawks have. They also had the easiest schedule in the NBA to end it off. Well, the, the Knicks could have also made it easier on themselves by putting away the bad teams the way the Hawks put away the bad teams. And the, the Knicks kind of mess around with that a little bit. So... That, put away the good teams, though. Some of them. <laughs> we're not yeah, going to get into Phoenix and Denver, but... Like, the fact that we were the hottest team in the NBA and we had one of the toughest schedules to end the year I'm, says something. 
I mean, all I know is to end the year, the the Hawks, I believe they did beat the Phoenix Suns, whereas we couldn't. And, you know, it's 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 very hard to just say, like, definitively one team is better than the other based on if you want to say, OK, the Hawks had the had the easier schedule. Cool. But they also beat some of the teams that we couldn't beat. Then they also played a stretch of games. They also played a stretch of games without their best player and still won without him. Whereas we've had Julius Randle for the entire time. And some of those games, he didn't play particularly well, but we still had him. And he was still a threat because he doesn't have to shoot well in order to pass to his teammates to get the win. it's, It's really difficult to say one team is definitely going to take the other one. You got to work on that, sir. Yeah, so they got the exact same record like I would be I would be disappointed if we lost to the Hawks. But you wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked. I'd be shocked if we got swept. I would be shocked if we got a gentleman sweep. But if we lost in 6 or 7, I wouldn't be shocked. I would just I would just want to know exactly. I would like to pay attention to see why we lost and see who we need to get rid of or who we need to replace or what coaching decision Tom Thibodeau made, like start Alfred Payton, <laughs> caused us to lose the series. Which Remember that argument me and you had mm-hmm. about when we play the evenly matched teams, that's the games where you see who's the better coach. Yep. And I said that Tom Tebow is going to win that matchup 10 times out of 10. That's why I don't think this series is is in doubt for the Knicks. I feel like no matter what, we're going to win this series, whether it be in five or seven. Because we have guys who've been here before. And we have guys who play with the mentality that they've been here before. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Emmanuel quickly doesn't play like a rookie. He, that's going to show in the playoffs. The playoffs show, they highlight what you've been doing all regular season. What do you think the rotation is going to be? How many people? Ten? I think it's going to drop to probably nine after Alfred gets benched. I think <laughs> Alfred could get benched in the playoffs. Everybody else is still going to play. So Frank is going to take his spot. I'm predicting. You're saying Alfred is going to get benched, but he's not going to get benched in game one. Nah, he's going to start. Tibbs is going to give him a shot. He's going to give him a, a how a, many a four? How many shots a, is he going to get? He's going to get four quarters to prove he can be in the rotation. Mm-hmm. If he has four quarters that are bad, I don't see him playing the rest of the playoffs. Uh, I'm 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 curious to look at how Alfred pay, played in the third game from the season. I got to look at it. But when I was looking at the Knicks games against the Hawks, I noticed that in two of those games, Alfred had like 20 points. So I wasn't sure if that was just because it was Alfred Payton versus Trey Young. But Trey Young also lit him up. I mean that's that's <laughs> fine, but I have a feeling that if if Alfred plays like that, if he scores, he's gonna get the burn 
that he hasn't been getting at the end of the season. Yeah, because Frank is not going to score 20. Right. Frank could score 20, like, if he's hit knocked down his threes and he's getting the minutes. I don't see it. But I don't see that. In the playoffs. I don't see it, that happening. I could see it happening in the playoffs. It's just, I just. I want it to happen badly. It, Look at my jersey. Like, there's nobody rooting for Frank to score 20 more in the playoffs than me because I'm wearing this to the game tomorrow. For those who are listening and are not watching on YouTube, I'm holding my Frank Nilakina jersey up. <laughs> I'm wearing this to the game tomorrow. So if you see someone wearing 11, I promise you I'm the only one. Yo, let me get that. All right, so he he only scored six points in game three versus the Hawks. So, But he did play 17 minutes. So I... I I don't know. I have this strange feeling that Peyton is going to play just well enough to start every game and for me to complain. No, no, I don't. Because it's just a good thing. We need Alfred Payton to play good in order for us to win in the playoffs. We need Alfred Payton not to play, you mean. He's going to play. And if he's playing well, he's he's going to need to continue to play well in order to keep to continue to play because we know Tibbs wants to win. He doesn't want to see Alfred on the court more than he wants to win it. And I can guarantee you that. I mean, it's nice to hear. It's like, that's, that's a nice thing to hear. But, you know, when I, everything, every every stat, everything you look at, you watch the game, you say, oh, okay, let's see, how does the team play with Alfred Payton on the court? Okay, how does he play? Like, everything you look at is like, why is this motherfucker starting? Like, I don't care if he's playing. If he's playing because, okay, the contract, all that, politics, all that good shit. Why is he starting? Starting the first For a reason, and the th- maybe maybe he's starting because yeah. Tibbs I don't, doesn't want to no, no, give no, no, D Rose no, too many no, no. minutes. I don't. You can't and say he wasn't ready. You can't say he's starting for Tibbs a reason. Knows what he's doing, and then I say, what's the reason? And you say maybe he's starting because no 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 no. Give me. Well, a- I'm not the one starting him. I can't tell you the reason. All I can tell you is what I think is the reason, which is he doesn't want to burn Derrick Rose out, oh. and Emmanuel quickly is not ready to start. I want to hear a good reason. <laughs> what? All right, but what's not reasonable about the reason I just provided? Because you could put somebody else to start and still have Derrick Rose and Emmanuel quickly coming off the bench without hurting. No, you can't. Why not? Because Alfred Payton is the best point guard option on the team. Point guard. Running the offense. You believe that? Leading the defense. You believe the words that are coming out of your mouth right now? He started on every team that he's been on. Answer the it's question. It's the reason why he's a starter. Do you guard. believe the words that are coming out of your mouth? We've seen Frank start at point guard, right? I see you spinning around the question. Go ahead. But, uh, but answer <laughs> this question. We've seen him play point guard, right? Yeah. Do you see Frank Nilakili being the starting point guard of a 41-win team? Julius Randle is our point guard pretty much. So Ju- Alfred Payton Alfred- is our point guard. No, no, no. Alfred Payton has the starting point guard of this team. Alfred Payton has not been our point guard in a few weeks now. The Alfred Payton is not initiating the offense. Alfred Payton is not is not doing any of the things that we he is sitting in the corner for the most part in the game that when he's on the court. And if and he and he's a you? second or third, which is the same exact thing that Frank does. The same exact thing that he's doing is the same thing that we've complained that Frank as a point guard did. So how can you say that he is our best point guard option if he's not even being utilized as a point guard because of how bad he's been playing? 
if that continues in the playoffs, then he's not going to be our step. And I didn't want this. I don't want this to be an Alfred Payton segment. But that the, all I'm saying is that he has not been a point guard at all for us to end the season. And if that's the case, if the if our head coach who wants us to win, who knows best, who is, and, and I'm not saying that he doesn't, and I'm not insinuating that he doesn't. I, I'm just saying that coach of the year finals. I'm just saying that the decisions that he's making in regards to Alfred Payton is the only thing that doesn't make sense that I don't have an answer for that every excuse or everything that I hear as to why this guy is playing and why he's starting. It's backed up by absolutely nothing that I can see that I Except can research. Sh- shut up. Because am I lying? It's because what he's doing is working, Jelani. No, you are lying. You got forty-one you wins. You are lying because statistically, the Knicks are projected to win more games if Alfred Payton doesn't play at all. So that doesn't. You're talking about numbers. Yeah. I'm talking about facts. What happened this year? He's the starting point guard of this team, right? The only fact that you have is that the Knicks are. 41 and 41 31 and with Alfred Payton starting. That's the only fact you have, but that doesn't mean that if he wasn't starting, he could you couldn't win more games. You can't prove that. Well, that's hypothetical. And you can't prove that he w- that we would less win less games, which would be the reason to have him start. The reason to have him start would be if he doesn't start, we would win less games. And unless you could prove that to me, I don't want to hear that, oh, we're winning games with Alfred Payton as a starting point guard. I don't. Sorry. I, it just means that we are a really good team, even though we have Alfred Payton as our starting point guard. That's that's it. That's as, that's that's as far as I go with that. So important so matchups. Alfred Payton didn't contribute to this team at all. So, this year. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But if we had, I, I don't know if you listened to you know one of the podcasts recently with Macri, but they said, oh, imagine we had the starting point guard in any of these playoff teams not even the starting it wasn't even not even they didn't even some of them they didn't even mention the starting they had the backup point guards and if we had the backup point guard how much better would we be so the fact that you but could, how many of those guys were free agents this summer no no no, no. that's not this that's not the point i'm making the pain the point i'm making is that even they said that the knicks are doing this with a trash level point guard that that's that was the point that they made so and i'm just reiterating it is that we're doing this in spite of Alfred Payton, not because Alfred Payton is starting, which the argument that you're making, that's what it leads to. We're winning this because Alfred Payton is starting. No, we're not winning this because Alfred Payton is starting. We're not winning 41 games because Alfred Payton is starting. I'm not saying that, that was though. a part of it, yes. But that's all I'm saying. But you could also, I, it, it is way easier to argue that if you didn't have Alfred Payton start, it's way easier to argue that we would win more games if we didn't have him start. It's easier to argue that than the other way around. And that's the point I'm making. So let's segue from that to the matchup, which Alfred is going to lose that matchup to Trey Young because he's not a good defender. And he's not going to score on par with Trey. So the first important matchup is every guard except for Alfred Payton versus Trey Young. Derek Rose has to hold up his end against Trey. If Frank plays, he's got to hold up his end against Trey. If IQ plays against Trey, he's got to hold up his end. If Alec Burks plays, he's got to hold up his end against Trey. Frank is going to play. If they end, Frank is going to lock him up. All of these guards that we have get smoked by Trey Young, it's going to be a long series for us. 
or a short one in a bad way. I don't see that happening. I see them figuring Trey Young out in one or two games. So the next matchup, important matchup, Bogey Bogdanovich versus Reggie Bullock. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think Bogey's going to win that matchup. <laughs> no disrespect to Reggie Bullock, but Bogey is different. We saw him earlier this season when we went through overtime. We saw what he's capable of. And I think they're just going to take advantage of that in the playoffs. So, I mean, the last time that they matched up, Bogey ended up scoring 20 points on 19 shots. And Reggie ended up scoring 18 points on 11 shots, which if that's the way that it plays out in the playoffs, I mean, on paper, you would say Bogey won that, but I would say that Reggie won that. So if Reggie can get Bogey to just shoot just a little worse in the percentages, I will. I would give that to Reggie, and I would call that a win for the Knicks. I mean, I want to. Yeah. I'm not expecting Reggie to match up with him point for point. I'm not expecting Reggie to score more than him at all. I'm not even expecting, you know, I'm expecting Reggie to, I'm sorry, Bogey to score 20 plus points per game. And I'm expecting Reggie to score less than 20. But I want to, I, but what I'm really looking for here is the defensive impact because the Knicks need to do what they've done all season against the Hawks, which is shoot a better percentage from the field and from three. And this matchup is going to be key for that, in my opinion. This matchup where Reggie, Reggie, he doesn't have to shut him down. He just has to make him shoot slightly worse. He's got to shoot sub 50 by three or four shots. That's it. No disagreements. No disagreements. DeAndre Hunter, you have here as a note. DeAndre Hunter is their best perimeter defender, and he's back for the playoffs. Yeah. And he's going to be matched up with RJ. Or Julius. Who do you think? John Collins was getting killed by Julius all year long. And Clint Capella is their rim protector, and they don't want to bring him out. I don't. I don't. Paint. I mean. So I see DeAndre Hunter getting that assignment. So you think John Collins is going to be on RJ? Yeah, I can see that. Okay. So DeAndre Hunter or John Collins versus RJ. You were saying John Collins. I'll say DeAndre Hunter is going to be on RJ. Who do you have winning that regardless? On RJ? Yep. I see RJ winning that. RJ is like, he's a lot stronger than he looks. Mm-hmm. Like he takes guys to the rim easily. Even if he's got. Hunter? Yep. I don't know. I haven't seen much of DeAndre Hunter. I just know that he's their best perimeter defender. Mm-hmm. But I, I I see RJ stepping up big in the playoffs. I don't see him being unfazed by DeAndre Hunter, Trey Young. I don't see him being phased by anything because that's all I've seen from him all season long. He just adjusts with whatever's going on and try to just get the job done. And that's all I can. That's all I've known from RJ since he's been here. So I don't expect anything less in the playoffs. I, see, I expect him to reach another level in the playoffs, and I expect Julius to win whatever matchup they put against him, and to exploit that every every time they try to double team, exploit that, get an open shot. And I think all these guys are prepared 
for this series. So, so I see it's going five, six games. While you were talking, the only thing that I could think of was because our, this is going to be R.J. Barrett's first playoff in the NBA. The only thing that I could keep thinking of was when I watched a few minutes of Duke in their final game with RJ and Zion. And basically they didn't do what they were supposed to do. And RJ was getting a lot of burn and he was throwing up a lot of shots. And Duke was projected to win it all and they didn't. They got knocked out early. RJ's a lot better from now. RJ is a lot better player now than he was during that series. But or just sorry, during that, that probably haunts him. During that game. I want to see it in the playoffs. And I don't have I, I have that whatever his matchup ends up being, I don't have I don't have anybody predicted. I had Reggie Bullock as winning the matchup against Bogey because I think that he's going to lose the stat war, but I think his only job is to make Bogey less effective, which I think he's going to win that. I have Trey Young winning his matchup. It doesn't matter. You know, I just hope that he doesn't blow whoever he's matched up against out of the water. This, (laughs) this matchup I think is going to determine who is going to win the series. If RJ plays really well, the Knicks are going to win. If RJ seems to be struggling throughout the series, the Knicks are going to lose. And that's just how I it's going to be based on this and a few another matchup that I'm going to highlight later on. And next matchup, you said is it, it might it's either going to be Hunter or it's going to be John Collins on Julius Randle. Doesn't matter. Julius Randle's watching washing whoever's on him one on one. Agree? Don't see a matchup that he can't exploit. There's there's no matchup that the Hawks have that he can't exploit. He's going to he's going to do what he's going to do and I from everywhere I've heard the Hawks are going to put whoever on him that they think is going to be the best matchup and they don't want to switch, they don't want to they don't want to double, they want to just try and contain him with one person as much as possible and it's not going to happen. Julius Randle is going to feast whoever they have. On feast on whoever they have. And then we got Nerlens Noel versus Clint Capella who I have Clint easily winning that matchup. The only thing that I think the only thing that Nerlens can do is to nullify whatever Clint does by tapping the ball out for rebounds and by matching him defensively as a rim protector, which I think Nerlens can at least do that. He can be a rim protector, blocking shots, stealing the ball. You know, he's not going to be an offensive threat, but maybe on the boards he can nullify Clint a little bit. And that's what the Knicks really need him to do. I want to see Nerlens get savvy and try to draw some fouls from Clint. Yeah. Take some charges, try to get him fouled out the game because you know how much of a threat he is. I mean, that's a regular season. That's a regular season move that I haven't seen Nerlens do. So I can't yeah, say that I want that him to. Taj. Yeah, we've seen it from Taj. I would expect Taj to do that. I don't expect Nerlens to do that. Um, Taj could throw him some tips. And I, I don't expect to see that in the playoffs. He, I feel like Nerlens would be too scared that he would end up getting himself in foul trouble trying to get Clint in foul trouble. You know what I mean? I think Nerlens is just yeah. going to play his game. So he's got to do all the other things that he's been doing. Yeah. And the last important matchup is who's got the deeper bench? Whose bench is going to come through more in the clutch? 
And that's another one where I don't have, I don't have a clear advantage on either side. I think some people who are more well-versed in NBA than I am would say that Atlanta definitely has the advantage. I don't know but if our I would. Bench is our closing unit. Our bench, basically. our bench can be better than our starters on some nights outside of Julius Randle. Mm-hmm. And hey, you know, you could call it streaky, you could call it whatever it is, but if Alec Burks, Derek Rose, Emmanuel quickly, Taj Gibson, Obi Toppin. If four out of the five of those guys are focused and knocking down their shots, mm-hmm. the, the Knicks are going to win. The Knicks are going to win the series. That's going to be based on, I think that everything else is just par for the course, right? No matter how you feel about Bogey versus Reggie, no matter how you feel about, you know, Alfred versus Trey, or how you feel about Julius Randle or Clint Capella, if RJ Barrett, if RJ Barrett game goes one way or another, and if the bench goes one way or another, that is going to determine the series. R.J. Barrett and the bench. If R.J. Barrett this, and the Knicks bench play well, the Knicks win. If they don't, the Knicks lose. Point blank, period. This is a series that could actually be pretty beneficial to Obi Toppin because I don't see anybody in a, on the bench of the Hawks that can stop him from doing anything that he wants to do. Like if Gallinari is his matchup, he can he can outrun Gallinari down the court before yeah I agree anyone with that. else and get a lot of easy buckets just off that alone. I agree with that. He can out jump Gallinari for rebounds. He can like he can exploit a Kongwu if they put him on him. I see a lot of a lot of like opportunity for Obi Toppin to shine in the playoffs as this being our first series. And that's what I'm going to be looking for how the Celtics, in our first game. How were the Celtics beating them by 10 just now? They're not anymore, but... Yeah, anyway. I got the game on. Yeah, I, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting, but Gallo, once a Nick, always a Nick, and guy who I wish we did not trade for Carmelo Anthony. Gallo's, Gallo's a gamer. You know, he's, he's going to show up, you know, he's not always the healthiest player on the, on the court. You know, he's has a litany of injury issues throughout his career, but he could come out and be a difference for the Hawks. Yeah, he could, you know, Lou will same thing. So can D Rose. Yeah. And that's why it's like, yeah, whoever, whichever bench is better, that's going to tip the scales even more so in one team's favor than the other. So quickly has shined in these series. I mean, in these games in the regular season. And even though I just said the regular season shouldn't matter at this point, I think he can exploit his matchups too. Yeah. Coming off the bench and have a really good series. Yeah. As long as uh, Trey Young doesn't get him in foul trouble whenever quickly he's on him, which is, is one of the things that I don't expect to happen in the playoffs. I think Trey Young exploits the fouls and all that stuff. But, you know, who knows with Nate McMillan saying that the NBA favors the Knicks and 
wants the Knicks to be in the playoffs, so the Hawks have to play even better. Who knows how the refs are gonna? Who knows how the refs are gonna call this? How do you feel about the 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 comments? Which I'm gonna pull up actually, and I'm gonna read them verbatim. Even though if it you, revealed a lot, even though it if revealed you know a that. lot, if you're confident in your team, you don't gotta pull stunts like that. And he knows his team is young. He knows his team needs some motivation. It's their first time in the playoffs for the most part outside of two, three players. You don't see Tom Thibodeau talking about the other team in a way that scares him. He, he talks about them in a way that knows that, that lets you know that he prepared and he knows that this can be a tough series if we don't show up and we're not ready for everything, but there's no part of him that's saying, man, the league is like, really, they want to see the, like, if the league wanted to see the Knicks in the playoffs, our schedule would have been easier. <laughs> and <laughs> like, bro, it's just like, bro, we see right through everything that you're trying to do. And immediately on ESPN, all that media outlets, they immediately exposed him. And he's talking about, oh, you got to take it out of context. Like, bro, so I understand I'm gonna, I'm gonna that you the- nervous. Go ahead, read it. I'm going to read his original comments. I've gone as far as saying the leagues want this. The league wants this. They need this. New York, you know, this is a big market. It's a big market for the league. And New York has been out of the playoffs for a number of years. And this is a team that our league, they want to see. There is a huge fan base. They want to see New York in the playoffs. They want to see the Lakers in the playoffs. Teams like that. The Boston Celtics, the Boston Celtics, they want to see these teams in the playoffs. And I put New York in that category that the league wants to see it. Everybody wants to see this. Even to the fact that our game was moved to Sunday, they want to see this. So, yes, we have talked about that. We have talked about the advantages of the situation and some things that we're going to have to face going into the game with kind of everyone picking New York to win and a lot of folks wanting to see New York in the playoffs. So. Violin, please. (laughs) Some of what he's saying is true, right? But. What it, when he says, we have talked about the advantages of this situation and some things we're going to have to face going into the game. What game, what things are you going to have to face, Nate McMillan? We didn't play a game yet. Like, what, we didn't play a single second on the court. What advantages are the Knicks going to have? The ha ha, everybody laugh at the Knicks. They, they were laughing at the Knicks as recently as March, saying that the Knicks are, are it's a fluke. The three point, the, the three point defense is going to go away. You know, they're, they're not going to be, they're going to be in the play-ins. They're going to show like who yeah. we, we, the Knicks have not had a favorable. I, there, I do not, I can't name a game where the Knicks had a favorable whistle all season. Yeah. And you have Trey flopping young who, Games, the refs for the whistle. Every, so I, I don't, I, I don't see what advantages that the hawk that the Knicks are going to have against the Hawks. I can see that you're scared because you know all of the th- things that you have used to win your regular season games are not going to be there in the playoffs because you've been playing a fluky, a fluky game. 
Uh, like, you're winning off of stuff that's not going to win you games in the playoffs. So, yeah, I could see that. You're going to lose an advantage you had all season. But the Knicks ain't going to be given anything. They're gonna, they've been playing the entire season the way that a playoff team needs to play. So it sounds to me like you just don't think that you're a playoff team. That's what I. That's what it sounds like to me. Mm. I don't know. I calls it how I see it. Yeah. I, you got anything else for uh, Nate? Nate McChicken. I mean, Nate McDonald's. McDonald. McLennan. Yeah, nothing, right? Scared to death, boy. Like, relax. You know you're going to lose this series, God, with some pride. <laughs> what the f- Like, let me not curse, mommy. Listen in. <laughs> uh, On to the next topic. All right, we only got one other topic left. And now the last topic I got is uh, former Nick... Sensation Jeremy Lin posted a farewell message to the NBA. Did you see anything about that, French? Yeah, I didn't read it though. I, I get, didn't want to get sad. I, I I don't want his career to be over already. I would love Jeremy Lin to be the starting point guard of this Nick team, man. If Let he's me tell you. Good. So, I mean, according to what I saw, he was probably he went to the G League. All right, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna read. What he, what he said, and then I'll say everything else. May 16th, in my mind, was an imaginary circle around this date for an NBA call-up. The final deadline. After a year in the CBA where I overcame mental barriers from my past, I knew I was still an NBA player. Teams all asked if I still had the hunger, health, and skill to hang in the NBA. They wanted to see me hoop in person. So I gave up a season overseas to go down to the G League, a move few vets dare make. I've always known I need to jump through extra hoops to prove I belong, so this was par for the course. And I got to scroll, 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 because I did not realize that this was three pages long. <laughs> it's a long, it's a long quote. But uh, get the gist. I'm really proud of what I accomplished. I killed it in the G League and objectively showed it being a league leader in all categories a point guard should and shooting career highs across the board. So, and the NBA posted this. Uh, this season, Lynn averaged 19.8 points, 3.2 rebounds, 6.4 assists, and shot 50.5% overall and 42.6% on three-pointers for the Santa Cruz Warriors. So him saying that about his game in the G League, they, they, put, they posted, NBA.com posted the stats. It goes to show that he wasn't, he wasn't lying, that he, he bowled in, in the G League, and for some reason... He still didn't get a call up. Jeremy Lin, man, if this somehow reaches your ears, I think you're better than Alfred Payton. <laughs> and That's I was saying a lot. And I, I, think I know Jeremy that, Lin was like, oh, he about to say something good. And I think that if like, you were the point guard of the New York Knicks, we would probably make it to the finals with this team. So... <laughs> If if any if you have any kind of cachet with Leon Rose, you know maybe put that bug in his ear that maybe you come off the bench 
and maybe you could be part of the, the magic next year. You know, Tom Thibodeau, he's going to love you. Man, stop giving up Luca's spot. <laughs> I mean, I, w- I do want to see Lynn back on a roster as a like vet with Iman Shumpert. That's what I would want to see. Jeremy Lynn was, he was a very important part in maintaining a lot of Nick fan sanity during Lynn sanity. We lost Carmelo. We lost most of our starters and we had no point guard. And I remember being like, yo, why don't we play Jeremy Lin and see what he's got? Like, what do we got to lose? Like, we have no, everybody else is a bum. Let's play him and see what it is. And they play him and he just goes ballistic for like four weeks. And then That's when I became a Knicks fan. And it, you had to have been watching the games to kind of understand just how crazy Linsanity was. This dude was a Chinese basketball player who went undrafted from Harvard. <laughs> he got undrafted from he was undrafted from Harvard, came to, came to the NBA and started at point guard for the New York Knicks and beat teams like the Kobe Bryant Los Angeles Lakers. He had a game Dropped winner 31 on them. He had a game winner against the Toronto Raptors, who were a good team at the time. With DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. Like, you can't make this up. So I was I was hoping and praying that the Knicks could have made it work with Lynn and Carmelo Anthony, and the styles just didn't mesh. He ended up getting a really big contract after hurting his knee, and he was never really the same. He was he never recreated Linsanity on any other team, but I I thought that he was a, a a very decent point guard who could shoot, who could penetrate, who could pass, and that's exactly the type of point guard that we need on this current roster. So, with all that said, if you never come back to the NBA, thank you, Linsanity, for all you've done for Knicks, and thank you for all you've done for the NBA. We'll miss you. That's all I got. I don't think he's done. Uh, you I don't think, think he'll be back in the NBA? Yeah, I think so. He's only thirty-two. Yeah, but I, I, I think that it, it, I think there's there's just too much going against him to expect that he's going to come back. If he does, I would love it, but I don't expect it. Yeah. So. Anyway. <laughs> all right i think that's all we got we don't got we don't got nothing we're gonna be talking about oh let's go over the dates of the nick playoff games before we sign off mm-hmm. game As one watch the celtics beat on us nets what's the score 44 37 right now see we were talking about sweet i, uh, I mean it's only the second quarter <laughs> yeah, it's the second quarter. The second, we know the the second half is going to be like, and yeah. just just like that, they showed just us that like that they showed us that this this Brooklyn team might make it to the finals. Game As one, Joe Harris throws a foul on the three. That French will be attending with a Frank Nellikina jersey that I still need you to go did. and purchase. May twenty third at the Garden, seven p.m. Sunday. Hawks at the Knicks. 
Hawks will be back at the Knicks game two on the 26th, three days later, which I think is really interesting. I think it's really interesting that they, after game one, there's going to be two rest days before they come back at the Garden. And then after that, there's only going to be one rest day to go from New York to the, to Atlanta. Yeah. So if the Knicks take both of these, Atlanta's not uh, even Atlanta's not going to have any rest. Right. And when I looked at the Hawks' schedule, they were pretty bad on like back to backs. I think they were pretty mm-hmm. bad on when they didn't have a lot of rest and they had a really big game the, the game before. They yeah. weren't really good at that. So if the Knicks win the first two games and they beat up on the Hawks, I I would think that they could steal Game Three in Atlanta. Atlanta's going to be another Knicks home game. <laughs> Even though I agree with that, I don't think that we should take that to mean that the Knicks are going to automatically win. I think that I think that I put more stock on the fact that there's only one day in between games, two and three, and it's going to be a travel. They're going to be traveling that day, if not, you know, the night before. That's gonna that's gonna benefit the Knicks more than the Hawks because the Knicks are used to playing tired, whereas yeah. I don't think the Hawks ever got used to playing tired. They have yeah, maybe just got one the most rest <laughs> since All Star break. Yeah, I think the Hawks have only won one or two of their back to back games, and they were both at the end of the season. Whereas the Knicks, and have, if we be oh my bad guy, the Knicks have been pretty decent. You know, it's hard to win the second half of a back-to-back, but the Knicks have done it multiple times. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, and this is the first time that Julius Randle is getting a week-long break. Yes. Even during the All-Star break, he didn't get much of a break. Right. So now he's going to come back energized. With Everybody else is going to come back energized with the fresh braids. And these two games off, like, the, the leader in the NBA in minutes – he got a, a chance to get a little bit of rest as he was pulling off all these incredible feats tired. Mm-hmm. So now I'm just excited to see him healthy, back, energized, and we don't have to worry about, yo, is Julius tired? He's playing a lot of minutes. Like He's had a full week rest, and we back home at the Garden for game yep. one. And after game excited. three... After game three, we'll be back here talking about the first three games. Game four will be Sunday, the following Sunday at one o'clock, which means I'm probably going to be missing a good portion of that game. Unless I work five to one that day, which I don't anticipate I will. So that's going to suck for me. I'll have it recorded and I'll still watch it. But we'll be talking about the first three games of this first round series with the Knicks and the Hawks in the next episode 12 of the Knicks Take Podcast. French, you got anything you want to plug? Oh, look at this shirt I got. <laughs> Yo, you, you got me one? Yeah. No. How much money you think I'm getting, man? I just bought some playoff tickets. Yeah, Shit's you got playoff money. tickets, you buying shirts, what am I getting? Like, come on. Bro, I had to give up <laughs> half of my leg just for that playoff ticket. I mean, you want me to give him my arm too? <laughs> well, this is this is a new shirt that I got right now, and I actually just I need to find my hat, but I'll probably wear that hat for the next pod. Um, That's from Nick's Film School. That T-shirt that I got. I was gonna wear it to the game tomorrow. 
I, I have Just a couple. Of, love. I got a couple of shirts that I'm trying to buy from the Strickland and from the next the next film school podcast. They got they got some merch. I'm like, yo, I want to buy some of their merch too and wear that. Yeah. Show some love over here, but show some love. Keep it in the family. You don't got nothing else to plug. I don't got nothing else to plug. Knicks in six is my prediction. French has no prediction until the game is over, and we're gonna get out of here. Thank y'all for listening. We love y'all. Peace. That intro music was Broadway Boo by Gotti B, formerly known as Bugatti Blade. You can find us on Twitter at The Knicks Take. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thank you for listening.